So this week on our second episode with Alison Anderson, I get to ask questions about both pre and postnatal exercise benefits for mums and when they should be exercising, how they should be exercising and it's going to merge a little bit more into what we spoke about our previous episode all to do with the pelvic floor. The two kind of flow nicely. Again, please do listen to this podcast regardless if you've never had a baby or your babies are, are 20 years old. There is definitely something to be taken away from them and I really hope you enjoy it. I'm Lucy, the founder of Coach Lucy, a community which focuses on health for life and gives it to you in the time it takes to make a cuppa and drink it. Welcome to A Cuppa with a Coach. I was once told that because I had never been pregnant, I had never had babies before, that I couldn't really relate to mums, new mums, that I couldn't relate to people who'd had babies before. I couldn't understand what it was like to want to get my body back into shape, to want to become fitter, to get my body back to the way it was before. As much as, no, I have never had children of my own, I hope that one day I will be able to. And I just hope that when this time does come, that I do remember all the things that I've learned just now and continue to learn how important my body is and how important it is to be kind to it during such times of pre and postnatal, to understand that everybody's journey is different and to understand that it is going to take time to get the results and to get to a point of being comfortable again in my body. And it's the same with the girls postnatally. So they're doing okay, not get any time to exercise, and then they suddenly think, I must do something. So they go out for a run. And they go out for a run without a pelvic floor that's got any strength or endurance, and then they start leaking. It's a very embarrassing thing to admit to. So there's a, there's a happy balance somewhere between thinking it's fine to wet your pants, because it's not. Yeah. Uh, but also, if you are wetting your pants, there's something that can be done about it, but you need to do it appropriately. So what you'll find is either people give up exercising altogether because they don't want to leak, or they just really restrict their fluids because the less I drink, the less I'm likely to leak, which is really inappropriate for exercise and especially during pregnancy. So, you know, there's there it's never too late or too early to start exercising either during pregnancy or after pregnancy or even way up till you've lost all your hormones that like I have. But it's about doing it in a way that's appropriate for you and working round about the problems that you have. Sometimes because we don't physically see internally to our body, we fail to maybe realise and understand how much we rely on certain aspects of our body to do simple tasks that we don't think about. So things like going to the toilet, whether that be to do a poo or a pee. Your pelvic floor is required to be able to do either of these things. In pregnancy, it's not uncommon to get constipation. And it's really important to talk to a pregnant girl about keeping her fluids up, about um, diet, but also about toilet position so toilet position is massive for all women that I try and get my girls when they're pregnant to understand that and then I'll say this is kind of for life it's not just because you've had a baby but now that you know this is a more efficient way to poo why would you just not always do that but in actual fact that is a, a it's an absolute game changer for people who have difficulty with defecation now there's some reasons from a pathology point of view why somebody might have difficulty def for defecation I'll tell you the majority of people start that after they've had their first baby. Sometimes it can be because like maybe they had stitches 
and they're thinking that first poo, they're thinking like, oh, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. So they go to the toilet and they're a wee bit tense. So if you're tense, you're not going to poo properly. And then you'll have to use a wee bit of your abs to try and push the poo down. But remember, you've just had a baby and your abs are crap. So then you have to push a wee bit harder. So there's a whole lot around about defecation that's fascinating. I love the whole poo bit. But if they go into the position where their feet are up or in a footstool, their knees are higher than their hips, there's the optimal 35 degree angle, but it doesn't matter, just as long as your feet are up. Not on your tiptoes, but your feet. Feet up on the wee footstool, then they lean forward and they relax their abs. So you're not using your abs to push your poo out. You're actually allowing your pelvic floor to do the absolute opposite from what everybody thinks, and that is to let go and relax. So in actual fact, although a major part of my pelvic floor work is about strengthening. Toilet position. How often do you use a stool to go to the toilet to pop your feet up on? How often do you hover over the toilet? When you put yourself into a squatting position, what happens is all the tension comes off that muscle, And instead of your rectum being like a bend, it's like a wee shoot and your poo comes right down without much abdominal straining. Now that goes back to your diaphragm being free, your abdominals being relaxed, and then your pelvic floor can let go. And when your pelvic floor lets go, then any tension round about your anus, your external anal sphincter, it's all released and, and it shouldn't be an effort to poo. But once you've had a baby, quite apart from the whole early days when things are sore, you then think, oh my word, all I want to do is go and just have five minutes pace in the toilet to do a poo. And you finally get that five minutes and then your baby starts crying and you think, well, I need to go. And so you go, I'll get it out quicker. <laughs> and that goes on when you've got a toddler pulling all their toys out or you've got child going, mom, I need you. So for most of early motherhood, most women are pushing their poo out because somebody else needs them. All that pressure on muscles that are already a wee bit weaker, a wee bit elongated um, from delivery and from carrying the weight of the baby, and then you end up with this pattern of dysfunction in that that then becomes the way you defecate. So that means that every time you go to do a poo, you push. You'll push a baby out once, but you'll push a poo out for the rest of your life, which is every day, every other day. And actually, so somebody then who has constipation on top of that really weakens their pelvic floor. So the first thing I actually do when I do my assessment and somebody tells me that they're leaking a wee bit, I ask them all about their bladder habit, all about their fluids, and then I'll say, what happens when you go for a poo? And then then actually you'll think, that's a major part of why you've got your urinary issue, why you've got your prolapse. And a huge number of the ladies, I, don't, I can't remember what percentage of ladies with prolapse have constipation. Your pelvic floor helps to stabilize the joints of the pelvis. And normally that pelvis is a bony ring that doesn't move much. What happens during pregnancy is that it does start to move a bit because of the hormones of pregnancy. And that's why we really need you to work your pelvic floor when you're pregnant, because your ligaments are not supporting the joints as well as they did. So helps to hold the organs, helps to support the joints, and it helps to keep you dry. In other words, it supports the opening at the front. It helps you to hold on to your poo until you can get there. In other words, it gives you control at the back and it'll even help you control a fart if you're in a public place and you don't want to embarrass yourself. If you thought you were hormonal before you had a baby, I can imagine if you are pregnant just now or have had your baby that you probably felt so overcome with so many different emotions, uh, both pre and postnatal, because just of how many hormones are circulating around our body. As we come further into 
the trimesters and we come closer to the due date to give birth to our baby. Our body is getting ready for pregnancy and it's getting ready to bring life out into the world. The hormone in particular that you're talking about is one called relaxin and its job is to just cause softening of the ligaments and in some ways it would be useful if you just got that softening of your ligaments the week before your delivery date and you wouldn't need to worry about them beforehand but that hormone's present from right at the beginning of pregnancy and I think my own theory is just based on the experience of seeing people I think people get a surge of that hormone at different times and they'll say I seem to be fine and now I feel achy and I think that's when they're maybe beginning to get a wee bit more movement in the joints of their pelvis but it's also related to the activities that they're doing so there are some activities that will cause your pelvic joint to move normally whether you're pregnant or not and then you add pregnancy to the mix and then you add a baby in your pelvis which is an extra weight for your pelvic floor to hold and then even as your bump gets bigger the kind of awkwardness of the way you move causes your pelvis to move a different way so right from the beginning that hormone is, pre is present and I would say you start your pelvic floor exercises in your pregnancy as early as you can you keep going with them you do them after you've had your baby as well and just let me say to do a pelvic floor exercises the day after you've had a baby is not an easy thing to do but it is important it will feel like somebody else's pelvic floor because your pelvic floor has been quite stretched and it will be quite weak just whatever you can do at that stage is a help and there are kind of progressive programs that people can do but I think if you manage to get a girl to lift her pelvic floor day one, you're doing very well. Never mind about how many seconds she can hold it and how many times she repeats it. And we'll talk about that in a wee minute. Yeah, you don't say that you'll do your pelvic floor exercises for maybe just six more months because that's how, how long the hormonal changes are there. I would try and get my girls to do it forever because once you are a postnatal person, you're a postnatal person for the rest of your life. So whether you're 80 <laughs> or 28, you're postnatal. There are studies that have been done with you know like people who have never given birth and people who have given birth and by the way section is another thing that's relevant to talk about because a lot of girls who've had a section will say I probably don't need to do my pelvic floor exercises as much but they absolutely do however the physical changes that have happened to your pelvic floor are different but the hormonal effects are still there so they're still softening we would say that these effects you said nine months we say somewhere between six plus six to nine months but then you've got all sorts of other things that are going on your abdominals are still maybe not what they were before and you're you're still carrying a baby your baby's not in your uterus anymore but by Jove you're carrying it plus a nappy bag plus a buggy plus all the other flipping things that you carry in actual fact I think even as a profession and this is something we would love to change but within the NHS you're a bit limited with what your resources are you do the minimum you know that you have with your staffing allowances I think we could better prepare people not just for the labour experience because we talk about preparation for labour you speak to any of your new mums they're doing a lot of lifting they're doing a lot of picking up they're carrying a baby in a car seat that's quite a weight and in actual fact I much more are saying I'm saying to the girls I think you should be doing a wee bit of arm work during your pregnancy so when you're looking at the kind of exercises to do during pregnancy pelvic floor is your number one you're going to need that pelvic floor to carry the weight of your baby if you think about I was talking about this hammock of muscle that's sitting between your legs basically if you think about that hammock of muscle and you think about the weight of a baby so if I put in a pound of uh, one bag of sugar that's 2.2 pounds if I put in four bags of sugar that's 8.8 .8 pounds if you hold eight bags of sugar in your hands then that's the weight of the baby that you're carrying around by the end of your pregnancy assuming that's the size of your baby but you add in the placenta you add in the fluid you're carrying a lot directly on your pelvic floor and bear in mind that that baby's actually also probably squashing your bladder so it's 
not a surprise if during pregnancy you laugh coxswains and wet your pants a wee bit. That's okay because your bladder is squashed and your pelvic floor is softening in anticipation of delivery. That's part of what your body does. That's why you have the hormones you have. And I, I actually always say to the girls, your body is an amazing thing. I mean, in actual fact, the fact that we can do that it's just amazing. Your body was designed to do that, but there are some wee hiccups that come along with the fact that you're carrying all that extra weight, that your muscles are a wee bit softer, that your ligaments are a wee bit looser. You have to be quite good to yourself. If you haven't already checked out our previous podcast with Ali, it's all to do with the pelvic floor. Both if you have had a baby and haven't, it explains a wee bit more in depth of what she discusses just now. Pregnancy, and I think this is one of my wee bugbears at the moment is that girls who are pregnant are just doing a wee bit too much. So you can exercise appropriately or you can run around like crazy and do all the things that you would normally do. And apart from lockdown, girls would normally be working well into their pregnancy and we can understand that because they want time at the other end. But, you know, we used to tell girls or they used to by law stop working around about 28 weeks and interestingly during lockdown 28 weeks is the recommended guideline for girls no longer to be at work during their pregnancy look i'm interested to see how many of the girls have pelvic girdle pain we see a lot of girls with what we call pelvic girdle pain so pelvic girdle pain can be pain right at that joint at the very very front in front of your pubes if you push into your pants there's a wee bone that's your symphysis pubis that's a joint that doesn't normally move but just movements like opening your legs to get in and out of the car turning in bed all these kind of things can cause a bit of movement at that joint that can be one symptom which causes a wee bit of referred pain into your groin even down the front of your thighs a lot of girls might get a little bit of sacroiliac pain so around at the back of the pelvis there's two joints around about these wee dimples that you get a bit more movement at your sacroiliac joint remember that's really important because when your baby comes down and through the pelvis you want your sacrum to move you want these movements to happen that's why i'm saying it'd be good if they happen just at the time of delivery but they happen a whole lot earlier then we can sometimes get what we call referred pain into the buttocks sometimes down the back of the leg but the minute girls get that kind of niggling they can do one of two things they just be stoned through it which is not always a good thing or they they're terrified and they don't move and one of the problems with people who are scared and don't move is that they become weak and they become less mobile so during pregnancy you really want girls to be doing exercise if they can you want them to remain mobile you want them to remain flexible you want them to work on strengthening certain muscle groups your pelvic floor being the first one having good strong glutes is a great idea because you're going to be getting and find it harder to get in and out the chair working on appropriate abdominal work is really important as well because it's your abdominal corset that supports your spine. If you do the wrong kind of abdominal work, you might slightly overstretch that wee line that goes right up and down the middle of the rectus abdominis, which is your six-pack muscle, girls, but you're not going to have a six-pack by the end of your pregnancy. That muscle gets so much longer. It comes from your breastbone and it goes right down your front and it attaches in at your, your pubic bone and that muscle is like two big belly straps big straps that go down your belly and that muscle gently can separate a wee bit in the middle down a wee fibrous line that, that the whole length of that muscle has to increase hugely to get around about a bump by the time you're 40 weeks pregnant sometimes girls will find that that muscle separates a wee bit and it's not abnormal to have a little bit of separation sometimes if we've got a girl who's got a wee tiny frame and they've got a big massive bump or their baby's lying transverse across or if they've got twins 
you can you're more likely to maybe get a wee bit of a separation then it's what you do with your separation that's important it's how you get in and out of your bed it's how you get up and down from the chair and it's how you exercise postnatally that will predetermine how well that will recover so they say that up to two like two fingers is not abnormal in terms of by the end of your pregnancy if you've got that separation sometimes you'll occasionally get somebody who's like four fingers or more or whatever there's different different ways to measure that and and if you've got any concerns it's actually a really good idea to speak to a women's health physiotherapist to have that measured and it used to be that we would say oh, somebody's got a dram they mustn't do any abdominal work you know people are terrified and actual fact can I read out this quote because I thought it was quite an interesting one and and this goes for the girls that have got pelvic girdle pain it goes for anybody who even for injury regardless of whether it's in pregnancy and it says instead of seeing exercise as the thing restricted by your symptoms let's see it as the power to change our symptoms if somebody's got a dram we would far rather see them and exercise them appropriately than say oh you mustn't and don't ever do a sit-up you know well in actual fact sit-up's not a great exercise for somebody with a dram but there's other exercises that you can do and it's all to do with doing the kind of stuff that won't make that separate further that won't cause doming if you're doing if you're trying to even get out of the chair and you pull your shoulders forward of your hips a pregnant girl will dome so if i'm telling a heavily pregnant girl to get out of a chair I'll tell her to walk her bottom back so that it's under her rib cage and under her shoulders and then bring her whole torso forward to get up rather than to uh, pull forward like that and cause further doming or further separation of that muscle. Varies with time scales. So the earliest, the earlier we see somebody, the better. Sometimes if somebody has a quite a significant dram, we'll know about it before their baby's delivered. They'll, they'll we'll know during their pregnancy. And there are some situations where we might even su suggest a wee support because you're giving them work to do, but because of their separation, it's too hard for the muscle to actually do it. You need to give them a bit of assistance and that even goes for from the postnatal period. Got to get somebody able to engage, even yeah. if it's a terribly weak contraction, you start with what you've got and then you build. Probably lots of people that will never get their, their diastasis fully together, but you have a little fibrous band there. Before you were ever pregnant, there's a little band called your linea alba that holds the muscle bellies together. And they reckon that people will develop a degree of tensile strength between the muscle belly that's perfectly functional. And so if it's not completely together, if they're functional, what's your issue? <laughs> You know, like if that's a strong abdominal wall and they can do everything functionally, then that's okay. There are, however, other people who don't have a functional, you know, they maybe have continuing backache or they have other problems. And, and that's the big thing for us as physios in pregnancy. When we're looking at somebody's muscle strength, we're not just interested in them having strong muscles for the sake of being strong. It's all about being able to support your skeleton, support your pelvis, allow you to be functional through your pregnancy. It's about being functional. As I said, we started to talk about in pregnancy, I wish we could get girls a wee bit stronger for all they've got to do after they've had a baby. After you've had your baby, you don't just sit and cuddle them and feed them and walk them in the buggy. There's a heck of a lot of bending down to pick things up, standing in awkward positions to change nappies, and your back is vulnerable because you don't yet have the abdominal strain. So that's why it's really important to build up somebody's abdominal strength because you want them. It's, it's not about looking fit. It's not about looking skinny. You've always said that in your classes. It's not about being skinny. And I think, again, from a social media point of view, there's a massive amount of pressure on people to get their tummy comparison really is the thief of joy when you go onto social media and you compare yourself to other people at different stages of their postnatal period 
It's difficult not to compare yourself to others on social media. You know, you think about how long it took you to get that muscle the length it was to go round about your bump. It takes nine months for a reason to grow into that size and shape. And it will take a bit of time and it's, it's really important to recover at realistic target times with an appropriate progression. So many people are just gubbed after they've had a baby. They're not getting any sleep. They're not motivated. They feel rubbish about the way they look. They don't like their wee paunch. So they just don't go near anyone for ages. And then maybe when their child's about nine months old, they think that I've got to do something and they hit the gym with no preparation and they struggle. So, I mean, we, not everybody reads their leaflets when they're in hospital. That's absolutely clear. <laughs> and you get thrown so much information when you are in hospital. But there's a lot online now. And girls who are interested will look online. But you want to start with a very simple post-delivery program for the first six weeks. And you're really only focusing on your deep transverse abdominis contraction. You're working on trying to shorten that rectus abdominis would be lots of pelvic tilting, doing that with your knees bent up, working on trying to flatten that lumbar curve, which was very over-exaggerated in its arch during your pregnancy, and your pelvic floor. These are the three that we would say immediately post-baby. Even if you've had a section, these are all fine to work on. And then round about six weeks, when you're thinking that you might be able to leave the house not wearing your dressing gown, then you're probably able to do a wee bit more. If everything had been running as it should be, that's when we would invite the girls at the maternity unit to come back for what we call our postnatal shape-up class. And we've fought really hard to hold on to that. I think there's a lot of people think, oh, that's what's the point in that? But because we see so many people with pelvic girdle instability, we know that it's really, really important at that six-week stage to just begin to progress them with very much a kind of Pilates-based type of exercise program, not high impact, not jumping. Your pelvic floor can't take it. Pelvic floor absolutely can't take lots of jumping about, lots of increases in your intra-abdominal pressure for the reasons that we talked about. At six weeks, you're able to do a wee bit more, but it's probably not until about 12 weeks that you would really up ramp up their program. Mm -hmm. um, so, so no high impact it's all low impact to begin with because do you know what you're tired you're tired after you've had a baby and and you bleed after you've had your baby you know so there's a lot of girls might still be bleeding y you might leak <laughs> because your pelvic floor is weak yeah. you might have stitches that you're worried about their healing you might have had a section so you've had abdominal surgery so you know there obviously are restrictions and you know what you're also hormonal <laughs> So you can get a wee bit emotional. I don't know if you've had anybody cry on you, but I've had people cry because they're just so happy to be doing exercise. And you don't look very happy. <laughs> different people go through different pregnancy experiences. Some people that have been doing fitness for a really long time, it's a breeze. And others, again, who have been doing fitness for a very long time too, it's a very different scenario. Big difference between your people who were physically very fit and then they become pregnant and then they might have terrible uh, morning sickness. There's quite a lot of <laughs> and and these girls are really like, I'm really fit, but I can't understand why I'm wetting my pants. Well, there's massive amounts of bathing down with all the time that you're sick. These girls, I think sometimes you're really, really fit girls struggle with the fact that their body doesn't do what they want it to do. So there, there's a big difference between people who, in terms of whether it's important to exercise during pregnancy or not, I would say yes, it is. But there's a big proviso around about what you do during your pregnancy. 
Okay, so you don't take up a new sport because the physio has said or the PT has said it's really important to exercise during pregnancy. Well, that's not the time to start doing something new. What that means is if you are somebody who's used to exercising, then you can continue to exercise. You may need to modify what you do as your body changes. It's really important to adapt depending on each stage of your pregnancy as well. So at the beginning, you've got overwhelming fatigue and tiredness. And then in the next trimester, you might get a real surge of energy and you feel that you can do more. And then in the third trimester, you've got the weight of baby. You know, so there's different things affect all the stages. The kind of general guidelines for exercise during pregnancy is do what your body is used to doing with modification. Always be able to have a conversation while you're exercising. And that's a lot to do with your diaphragm. And as you get, your baby gets bigger and your diaphragm gets more and more shoved up, then it's not, you're, you're going to find that you get a wee bit short of breath a wee bit more often. So we don't want people short of breath. In humid weather like this, it's really important to drink and not overheat for you and for baby. And if you ever have any concerns during pregnancy when you're exercising, just always check with your midwife. We would never be wanting anyone to exercise if their baby was in an unstable lie, and that's especially a wee bit later on in pregnancy, or if you'd had any vaginal bleeding, you shouldn't be exercising. And in actual fact, that whole bit about vaginal bleeding after you've had your baby, so people will have a bit of bleeding afterwards, and then it starts to tail away. If it seems to be going on for an extra long period, or if it comes back when you've started exercising, just have that checked out. You know, your body does take a wee bit longer to internally heal than maybe people think so just bear that in mind we do bleed a wee bit after we've had our baby but if it becomes really heavy and if it goes on for a long period and if you're not happy about it get it checked out the bleeding goes on about six to eight weeks after you've had a baby i mean everybody is different that's the thing and the other thing that can affect that is breastfeeding and we haven't talked about breastfeeding but that can change things hugely as well i mean even from the very basic things is just watch what kind of bra you're wearing because your boobs are massive and heavy in some cases yeah you might leak a wee bit of breast milk that's another thing i can remember the very first time I put a postnatal girl around on her front to exercise and she stood up she'd on a pale blue t-shirt when she sat up she had two lovely big dark blue and I said oh I'm so sorry she went am I glad I've got a hoodie to wear to go home <laughs> so um, she just had forgotten to put breast pads in so I mean that's another wee thing to think about is just you know you might need to wear a wee breast pad because you might leak a wee bit of milk and, and even antenatally towards the end of your pregnancy before baby comes you might start to produce a wee bit of milk it's not a problem it's just something to be aware of but a, a good supporting bra is really important really important even not so much from the point of view of your boobs but your back you know in your thoracic area you spend so much time with a new baby in this kind of cuddling your baby feeding your baby changing your baby position that a lot of girls get quite a lot of discomfort in their thoracic area in the early stages so if we get a chance to say look i know it sounds like make sure you sit in a good position but oh by jove you sit in that chair for long periods of time with a new baby you should Make sure it's a good seat and you're in a comfy position. That's not being a princess. That's just being sensible. Um, you will spend a lot of time in that position. Make sure your back's supported. I think a lot of the girls that we see with a kind of mechanical backache issue, a lot of them can be corrected just by saying, let's look at that position. How do you do that? How do you get out of the back? These wee near me baby things that sit at the side, girls get in and out of the bed without trying to disturb the baby in the most bizarre way. <laughs> I'm sure they cause themselves all sorts of problems. While their muscles are weak, while their ligaments are lax, 
people get into crazy positions. So be selfish about how you sit. Be selfish about your own position, mm-hmm. especially when you go home at first uh, and you're tired. Again, just referring back to our previous podcast that was all to do with the pelvic floor, Ali's just going to touch on the importance of reintroducing those movements or starting them, especially if you are pre or postnatal. So for a new mum, I would say find out how many seconds you can hold for before you think, oh no, that's gone. (laughs) Uh, See how many times you can repeat that. And again, in the hospital, I would very rarely have anybody doing more than a five second hold in five of them because I'd be surprised if they could do that first day after a baby. And I would say, look, make up your mind that three of these feeds that you're doing in the day would be when you do your pelvic floor because you feed your baby at least three times a day. Some people will say, three feeds? I do 20 feeds. And more and more now, especially with the breastfeeding, this demand feeding, you're feeding a lot in the early days. And and we know a baby's tummy is tiny, so they're going to need fed often. So if we can get a girl into a nice wee routine of doing it, a minimum of three sets a day, then they'll start to strengthen their pelvic floor. But it'll take months. It'll take a good three months, three to six months to get a pelvic floor really strong. But you have to progress the program as they are able to increase their hold, increase their reps. And then you would progress from doing it in sitting to doing it in standing. And then you would maybe do it dynamically because they're more likely to have their accident when they're on their feet rather than when they're sitting and so on. So there there is a progression, but you need to establish that the person can do it, that they're holding it for their maximum time and that they're doing the maximum number of repeats that they can and that they don't overwork. So some people overwork their pelvic floor and then they end up fatigued and then by the end of the day they're leaking or they've got vaginal heaviness because they've overworked in the earlier part of the day. It's about knowing what they're able to do and then building on that. It's important to do what you can, especially once you've had a baby and not to overdo the workload that you are putting on your pelvic floor and just making it manageable for you. Regarding in the postnatal period, people's recovery can be a wee bit dependent on their delivery. So if somebody's maybe has got stitches, sometimes people will say, oh, I've had a few wee stitches. I, I don't want to do my pelvic floor because I think I need to wait until that's healed. Part and parcel of your healing would be to use your pelvic floor. If somebody is unfortunate enough to have maybe a forceps delivery and they have a wee bit of bruising and swelling down below in the early stages, then again, doing your pelvic floor exercises is part of your healing. But I, I, you know, just don't go at it hammer and tongs because I've said it's important to do. Don't be like, I must do 10 repeats of 10 from day one. You do what you can and you build it up. And if somebody feels that they are, they have a bit of a problem. Now, it's as I said, it's not uncommon to have a wee bit of leakage during a pregnancy. Sometimes people might have a wee bit of leakage afterwards, especially when they start exercising a wee bit more. That can maybe be a wee indi- indication that you're doing a wee bit too much too soon. If you start to have either pelvic pain or urinary symptoms after you start exercising, I'm not saying it's an indication that you should stop exercising it means you just need to modify your program a wee bit don't think oh no i'm always going to have leaking and dribbling i think one of our concerns as women's health physios is there's a lot of publicity now about tenopads we oops moments i think some of the advertising is a wee bit misleading in that it says oh, it's part and parcel of having had a baby is that you're going to leak um, I think first of all I would say if you're having a wee leak are you overloading your pelvic floor before it's strong enough to do what you're asking it to do needing to wear tennis mm, means that you're maybe not going to run in mum's race you're maybe not going to jump in a trampoline with your children if you just say I'll just wear a pad you know 
better than most will say that if you exercise a muscle, it's strengthened. And I think the big problem with pelvic floor exercises is not that they don't work. It's just there's issues around about compliance for lots of reasons. And often it's because you're tired or you mean to, but you forget. I know when I was trying to get a bit fitter and uh, was part and parcel of also trying to lose weight because I knew I wasn't doing well. It was going to your class and going three times a week and keeping up with that consistency that made the difference. So if we can try and encourage people to be consistent with their pelvic floor, it makes a massive difference. There's a, a wee app that you can download called NHS Squeezy. It's a really good app. I've had a lot of girls that have said it's made the difference for them because you have a bit of a baby brain. Once you've had a baby, you mean to do something and then you forget to or you get distracted. So that will just send you a wee reminder on your, your mobile. And you can preset that, put in your starting block. So when I was talking about a lot of the, the booklets that you'll read, is it will say build up to doing 10 repeats of 10. Well, not everybody can do 10 repeats of 10. So you do what you can do and uh, you work away on that for a wee while until you feel more able to do more. And you can just adapt what you put into your app it sends you a wee reminder it's even got a like a little thing on the screen that counts out the number of seconds you're holding for and the number of seconds you rest for and the number of seconds you hold for and the number of seconds you rest for and uh, that's a good way of just click I've done it and by the time you go to bed at night you know you've logged you've done it three times great done what I've done to me niggles and pains that your body is having that's your body's way of saying, look mate, if you don't look after me or don't do something about this, this is going to become worse and this is going to become an injury. And I think that's the same with aches and pains in pregnancy, for example. So again, a lot of it is how you view that. So some people will come and say, I've got this pain in my pelvis and I, I don't think I should have it. And then you say, well, what are you doing? And they'll say, well, I've been on the cross trainer and I've been doing this and I've been doing that. And... I work 12-hour shifts, I'm on my feet all day. And when you look at what they're doing, hairdressers are particularly bad. Apologies if you're a hairdresser. You know, like they're on their feet constantly and customers are very demanding. That's only going to be worse after lockdown. These girls never sit down. They never take a break. They stand usually on kind of with their weight to one side with their pelvis slightly asymmetrical. And then when you break that all down, you'll say, well, that's why you've got pain in your pelvis. That pain is not going to change until you start making some adaptations to your posture. Posture, 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 hugely important during pregnancy. As your bump, you're growing a little person inside. I mean, it's a little person and they get bigger. And so your muscles have to get longer and your weight distribution is different. As your bump gets lower and pulls you forward, you don't like that feeling of imbalance. So you stick your shoulders back and you increase your lumbar curve. I mean, I can actually tell you the people that are going to come and say, oh, I've got low back pain just by looking at them. And if you've got somebody who was a wee dancer or a wee gymnast or has hypermobility and they had that increased range of movement already, add a baby to that and they're going to have more pain. So if that person's not prepared to look at how they might adapt their posture, they're not going to take away their pain. Yeah, so there's some people who expect to have pain during pregnancy and work through it and still have the pain, but you want to say, well, see if you made that adaptation, you wouldn't have your pain so much. Do you know what I mean? So there's a certain amount of discomfort that you might expect to happen because you are carrying a baby, but it shouldn't be agony. There are some people who, especially I've spoken to a few girls during lockdown, especially when the weather was better, you know, they've been saying, I'm really, really sore. And I'll say, well, what, what have you done today? I painted my hut. <laughs> I've, I've been doing making furniture. I've redecorated for the baby coming. So when a baby is coming, people either move house 
go mad with IKEA flat packs, which they build on the floor, all these kind of things. And when you think about what you've done in terms of activity, that was too much. That was just too much. So sometimes we just need to rest because our body needs rest. And that's absolutely fine. An expectation of there being niggles during pregnancy as your body adapts, that's fine. Don't expect it to be agony, but not make the changes that will make it easier. And with incontinence, the same. When you've got a baby growing inside you and pressing on a bladder, you can expect to maybe have the odd wee leak or dribble. But afterwards, we can do stuff with our pelvic floor to make it stronger. And if we don't, then do you know what? It's going to get weaker. And it will get weaker with each subsequent pregnancy. And that was another thing I was going to touch on. It's quite a different matter to be pregnant with your first baby than it is to be pregnant with your second or your third or more. Because with your first pregnancy, your body is going through these changes for the first time. But with your second pregnancy, you're looking after a little person as well as growing a tiny person. The time that you get for yourself is limited. That's why like doing something like you're doing with your new mums, that's really precious to have time that is just for you. Because when you've got a baby, your priorities shift and you can't help yourself you're just so in love with your baby but you suddenly realize where am I my name is now mum <laughs> there's there's quite a lot of mental health issues around about having a new baby as you adjust to your new role as you adjust to your body changes as you adjust to the new normal I think it's really important to find support around others and that might be as Alison says to join a group of new mums and just to become comfortable around other people who are going through the same things that you are. And, and the other thing that I feel is when I had my new baby, I was part of a new baby group, a new mum group. They don't seem to run them the same, but I think probably fitness classes is where we are finding our new mum group. And that's that, I think that's a really important thing. But there are things available online at the moment. There's, a, there's one organisation called Movement Through Motherhood that's quite good. There's another one, even just for downloading information, P-O-G-P website, which is Pelvic Obstetric Gynecological Physiotherapists. Far too many letters. If you just say P-O-G-P and go onto that website, that's our professional body. And they've done leaflets for pregnancy preparation for labour, first year after baby, pelvic floor, prolapse, all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of leaflets on that website that are useful. Nutrition is always such an important aspect in any point of your life, especially when you have just given birth. Sometimes new mums don't eat what they should, you know, like because they're on the go and you'll eat what's quick. And that, that has quite an impact on your bowel habit as well. So you don't drink enough and you don't eat enough. And it's not that you're trying to sabotage your own health. It's just circumstances. So please don't miss breakfast. It's so important to have breakfast. And I would include something like porridge or Weetabix or something like that, especially if you're having any issues with your bowel. A little uh, tablespoon of dessert spoon of milled linseed on top of your cereal for any of the girls that are having constipation, as long as they don't have any issues with seeds and things. But milled linseed, you'll get it cheaper in Aldi and Lidl than you will in Holland and Barrett. Sorry, sorry, Holland and Barrett. But um, you can just put a, a, a wee spoon of that on top. And listen, just watch your energy drinks, because I know that's another thing a lot of new mums who are feeling very tired will do. Some of the energy drink and your tea and coffee, iron brew, coke, full of caffeine. 
So not great for sleeping, but what it will do is it'll give you a wee bit of urinary frequency because it'll make your bladder a wee bit more active, as in your bladder will be a wee bit more stimulated and it will give you a wee bit of frequency and a wee bit of urgency. In other words, you'll probably end up going to the toilet more and you'll go with a bit more urgency, which will then make you think, oh, I better go to the toilet just in case. And then a lot of girls start this whole just in case thing, which means that they don't make their bladder hold what it should. And that in turn makes your pelvic floor weak because it's not holding the weight that it was designed to hold. For pregnancy issues, we are on the other end of a phone at the moment, albeit that services are a wee bit disrupted and classes are not running as they should. As physios, we are trying to put together our own Facebook page that will have good information for the antenatal, postnatal period and hopefully maybe develop the, the kind of um, continence side of things. Everything is having to grow very fast because uh, of the changes to the NHS. But if you're pregnant right now and you've missed out on any of the classes, there is stuff on the Ayrshire Maternity Unit Facebook page. If your issues are ongoing, then don't hesitate to go to your GP and get a referral to a women's health physio for a proper assessment. We're not just about telling you to pull in your tummy and stand straight. Uh, there's a lot more goes under your pants that might need specialist assessment. Hopefully we would be able to help you if you hadn't thought that it was a problem before or it was a problem that you you thought it was only you and not somebody else then could well be that there's something that we could be we could do to help it's like any other form of exercise loosely after all these years of knowing about exercise it took going to five weeks to fit for me to switch the light bulb on and go oh you know what this works if i do it three times a week <laughs> and i would say that very much about like be kind to yourself started up our shape up class for our mums and new babies the emphasis was on you do not need to wear lycra if you're in a baggy t-shirt and and your maternity leggings that's absolutely fine it should never be a sense of pressure or performance or having to be and there are people who are much more in the way of an elite athlete who will get together and then there's your other mums that are I, I just want to be able to walk, my, walk with my baby and my buggy and walk a wee bit further and you're absolutely right you have to find what's comfortable for you as Ali ended so well with it's so important just to be kind to your body to understand what your body's been through what it's done all the changes that have happened across nine months it's not just gonna go back to normal in the next week it's gonna take a little bit of time it's gonna take some up and downs but you will get back to a point of feeling comfortable within your own skin again and even when you have days that you maybe don't feel like that that's okay, your body is still going through so much change every single day. This is expected to have days when you feel great and have days when you feel not so great. Again, just a huge thank you to Alison. There was so much that we covered, hence why the podcasts have been a wee bit longer these last two episodes. So maybe a wee bit longer than it took you to drink your cup of tea, but I really do hope you enjoyed them. My pre and postnatal is something that I've just recently studied myself. Honestly, if you are a trainer, work within fitness, my clientele, 85 to 90% of that is female. And honestly, I've worked in fitness for over five years now, studied between both college, university, and also did loads of other CPD courses out with. I can't emphasize how much this has opened my eyes to kind of understand a wee bit more about how the human body works, especially during pregnancy and post-pregnancy. Again, what Ali covered 
even once you have a baby, you're not postnatal for a certain amount of time. You will always be a postnatal person. And I think that's really important to understand that, especially when you're training females. So it is good to have the knowledge behind this, to understand that it's important the movements that you give to somebody, especially after they have had a baby, and to make sure that what you are doing for them is going to enhance their fitness and enhance what is going on in their body right now. As a coach, as a personal trainer, fitness instructor, the people who come and take part in what you do, whether that be classes or whether that be one-to-one training, these people have ultimately given you so much trust in terms of you to look after not just them but their bodies. They have given their trust and faith in you to give them the knowledge and the guidance to put them in the right direction. So please don't mess that up and put it in the wrong place. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our fourth episode. I really look forward to the next one, which will finally be with Miriam after the whole kerfuffle with the hard drive, but we eventually got there. Our next podcast, episode five with Miriam, is all about coaching confidently without getting your kit off. Guys, have a wonderful day and I'll see you in the next episode.